Amen. Let's open our Bibles to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. I'm going to share a message entitled Road to Christ, Faith. Acts chapter 16. And we're going to begin reading in uh, verse 22 of Acts chapter 16. <clears throat> Acts 16 and 22. And the multitude rose up together against them. And the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, uh, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and every one's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword, and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he came, he, uh, then he called for a light and uh, sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thine house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be here this morning. Uh, we're thankful for this week of VBS and, uh, Lord, uh, the possibilities of so many uh, children coming to faith in Christ. We're thankful, Lord, for the open doors of opportunity that you give us to speak to their parents and, Lord, reach into their homes and be able to share with them the good news that Jesus Christ it loves them and died for them and can save them if they'll just believe on the sacrifice of Christ and Christ alone. I pray that you would encourage us and challenge us this morning from the Word of God. I would pray if there is someone here this morning that's not saved, that they might receive Christ and be born again, Lord, to be able to leave here knowing that they're going to heaven. So bless the preaching of the Word of God. Speak to our hearts in a great way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text verse is verse 31. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Uh, the road to Christ is faith. Uh, we start VBS tomorrow. It'll be a great week this week. We're excited about that. You'll be praying for us. And if there's uh, some way you can help out, we can always use the extra hand. Uh, helping out when the kids start coming in and managing the, the crowds and keep them moving in the right place. And so our theme is the road to Christ is faith. Uh, we need to be praying that many children will come to faith in Christ. And not just that, but praying that it will open the door for us to be able to reach into the homes and lead the moms and dads to Christ also. I remember years ago when I worked in the bus ministry, uh, the amazing thing was this, we'd go out looking for children and uh, want to reach the children for Christ, get them on the bus and uh, see them get saved. And, uh, but when we brought the children to church on the bus, it opened the door up for us to be able to get into the homes and talk to the moms and dads. 
And uh, we saw moms and dads get saved. We had kids get on the bus, and then they stopped coming on the bus because they were coming to church with mom and dad as a family. Uh, one family, I'll never forget the one family we were able to impact uh, was a divorce situation. Uh, we led the children. There were seven kids in that home. We led them all to the Lord. And over time, we were able to talk to the mom, and we led the mom to the Lord. And we were over there on a Saturday, and the father was there visiting his children. And we eventually, we were able to lead him to the Lord. And then he and his ex-wife got married again. And we lost everybody off the bus because they got saved, and they put their family back together. And they were coming to church together and worshiping the Lord. The gospel is powerful if we'll just take it and share it with somebody. We'll just tell people about who Christ is. We're so worried about the, the one or two that may be very negative and don't want to hear anything about the gospel that we don't talk to the ones who are ready to receive the gospel and to be saved. And so this is a great opportunity this week for us to be able to get into many, many homes and share the good news about Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 16, the Apostle Paul is actually on his second missionary journey. And as he's on the second missionary journey, he came into Philippi and he led a woman to the Lord by the name of Lydia. She was the first person saved in Europe. And uh, then Paul and Silas are confronted after leading this woman, Lydia, to the Lord uh, with this girl who was possessed of demons. And uh, uh, the Apostle Paul and Silas confront this demon that's in her and he casts the demon out of her. And uh, which causes a great disturbance in the, in the city. And it's amazing to me when God changes a person's life, how people get disturbed about it. I just know when I got saved, I was an alcoholic, I got saved, I didn't drink anymore. I thought everybody would be excited about the fact that my life was dramatically changed through faith in Christ. They weren't excited at all, they were mad about it. And, uh, you know, the world is so consumed with themselves and so manipulated by the demons of hell that when someone really gets saved and their life changes, they're not happy about it. The world wants to try to condemn them and stop them in any way they could. And so here's what the Apostle Paul experiences in Silas with him as they uh, uh, deliver this girl from demonic oppression and possession, uh, the, the city gets angry and upset about it. The outcome of this miracle that Paul and Silas did uh, was that they were beaten. And it says in verse 23, it says, And when they had laid many stripes upon them, and so the outcome of doing something good, the outcome of delivering some precious soul from the bondage of Satan uh, resulted in them being beaten. And sometimes we just think everybody's going to be happy and excited about what we're doing and how we're living our Christian life. Uh, no, there may be persecution with it. Uh, there may be an ag very aggressive spirit against you because of being a Christian. Uh, and the world, politically speaking, and political correctness stands against everything you are as a Christian. And they're not bashful about it, and they're becoming more and more aggressive about it, but we shouldn't be confused by it or shocked by it. That's exactly what the apostles experienced in the early church. So they were beaten. They were incarcerated says they cast him in the prison, literally cast him into the inner prison. And as they cast him into the inner prison, uh, they put stocks, they put chains on them so that they could move, not move about. 
and to secure them in a way that they would not be able to escape. And the world always puts us in change. The, the, the sin always binds us up. There is no freedom and there is no liberty in the realm of what the world has to offer. It only destroys a person's lives, lives and, uh, and binds them up. And so they were chained, their feet were fast in the stocks, and it was all a result of Paul and Silas doing something that was gracious and loving and victorious and setting this girl free from the bondage of demonic oppression and possession in her life. What great humiliation. In 1 Corinthians 4.10, Paul says, we are fools for Christ's sake. Uh, you know, you don't worry about being a fool for Christ. You won't, listen, you won't fit in with the world. That's, I'm sorry, you just won't. So don't be embarrassed about that. Don't be ashamed about that. Young people, just realize this, that wait a minute, God has something greater and better for you than what the world has, and so uh, be willing to be a fool for Christ. In Philippians 2.8, it said about Jesus and being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And so uh, there is a spirit of humility as a Christian. There is a spirit of awareness that we just don't fit in with the world. There is an awareness in the Christian life uh, that the world becomes very aggressive against us. But wait a minute, the road to Christ involves faith, having faith to believe that God is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so the Christian needs to be aware of uh, the mocking and the ridicule and the shame. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 4, in uh, verse 12, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fire tri fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. And if ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. And their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody or in other man's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. And so the uh, hope that we have and the excitement that we have is yes, on the road to Christ, there's many times of opposition and persecution and difficulties. But wait a minute, we count it all joy. We count it for the glory of God because God still is in the business of delivering someone. And Paul and Silas, they delivered this girl from this possession of a demon and they suffered the persecution in their throat in jail. But what was the outcome? The Philippian jailer gets saved and his whole family gets saved. And uh, I thought it was interesting. I was watching a testimony of a fellow the other day who uh, actually murdered somebody. And in prison, he got saved. And of course, he's serving a life sentence. And uh, he was sharing his testimony, how he believed that God had given him that ministry to those prisoners. And he was going through, and they were uh, examining and talking about his life, his testimony, his preaching, his discipleship, those that he's leading to Christ in the prison. 
And he has no hope of getting out of prison because of the crime that he committed. But bless God, in the prison, he's leading people to Christ. And sometimes what we do is we look at the circumstances in life, the difficulties in life, and we become so depressed over the aggression that is in the world. But wait a minute, God is directing you in a place where he wants you to be able to be a witness and a testimony that people can come to Christ through faith in what Christ did on Calvary for them. And so Paul and Silas uh, do not whine and gripe and complain about their circumstances. They grab a hold of the opportunity to be able to lead this man and this family to Christ. So the road to Christ is faith. First of all, I want you to see the confidence of the saints. The confidence of the saints. Uh, we see in verse 25 and 26, says, At midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. There was great confidence of the saints of God, the great confidence of Paul and Silas. First of all, notice that their prayer is not hindered. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. They might be able to lock you up in jail, but they cannot stop you from praying. Uh, people may oppress you and be aggressive against you, but they cannot stop you from praying. And oftentimes we forget the most powerful thing that we have on our side as a resource of living our Christian life is the ability to pray when, when everyone seems to be wanting to stop you from praying. And uh, I, I remember years ago I was witnessing this fellow, and uh, he was pretty aggressive and pretty arrogant with me. And I, I finally told him, I said, look, I'm just going to tell you this. You can be mad at me all you want. You can throw me out of your house. You can refuse to listen to what I've got to say. But one thing you cannot stop me from doing, and that's praying for your soul. And I think many times we forget that, wait a minute, God has given us great privilege, this great power to be able to pray and get a hold of the throne of grace no matter where we may be or whatever we are going on. Prayer is not hindered. It's an amazing thing. The only thing or a hinder of prayer, the Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Uh, it talks about in Peter that husbands are not right with their wife. They need to be right with their wife because of the fact they don't want their prayers hindered. The hindrances of our prayers is ourselves. It's not the world. It's not the unsaved. And so their prayer was not hindered. Oswald Chambers said this, we tend to use prayer as a last resort, but God wants it to be our first line of defense. We pray when there's nothing else we can do, but God wants us to pray before we can do anything at all. And the amazing thing is this, the greatest resource of power that you have is the ability to pray because nobody can control that, nobody can stop that, uh, the world cannot refuse it. You can still lift up their names before the throne of grace. And the Apostle Paul and Silas, when they were thrown in the prison, the very first thing they did, they started to pray. And Christians, we need to be willing to pray and go after God. One of the things I'm desiring for you to do this week is every day, every day in the morning, before you do anything else, pray for VBS. 
Pray for the workers. Pray for the teachers. Pray for the children. Pray for the families. Take some time and pray that God will move in a powerful way in this VBS program this week. Why? Because the road of Christ requires faith, and we need to pray that God will grant faith to those that are lost and that they might be saved. So prayer is not hindered. I see the confidence of the saints also that worship is not hidden. It says, And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And so here they are worshiping God. It's amazing they didn't have to have a church service to worship. It's amazing they didn't have to have a praise man to worship. Uh, it's amazing they didn't have to have special music in order to worship. Uh, they're in prison, they're chained up, and they cannot move, and they cannot get around. They do not have the freedom to go and come as they would, ple- would please them. But in that situation, in those circumstances, they sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And if the Christian would get a spirit of worship and praise of God, where we're not ashamed of the Lord too, and we're not embarrassed to sing out praises unto the Lord. It's all right. Hey, it's all right to sing the Christian songs in public. The world sings their rotten songs in public. They drive me nuts. Everywhere you go, somebody's got their windows up and tinted glass on their car, and I'm sitting on next to them in my car, the window's up, and, and I can hear their radio better than I can hear what I'm listening to. And I thought, boy, if you were working on a job and the decibels of, hear, of noise was that loud and the employer did not provide protection for your ears, he would be going to jail and soon because of it. And they, they, they bang out their music. And what do we do? We just sit there and listen to it. We just allow it to go on. We won't bang out our music. You ought to pre- put a preaching tape in and turn it up real loud. Amen. You know, it's amazing to me. We have Blackbeard's Cave right down the street from me. And sometimes they have these concerts over there. And their music is banging and clanging and screaming and yelling. And I feel like saying, I'm going to put speakers on top of my house. Now I'm going to start preaching and I'm going to start singing. They're going to be in trouble if I start singing. Amen. And uh, we just need to worship the Lord. They sang praises unto God. They weren't hiding in the corner. They were shouting out the praises of God. They were singing loudly so all the other prisoners could hear him. We hear them. And so when we talk about the confidence of the saints of God, we need to have confidence in our music to worship and praise the Lord. Amazing grace still works, folks. Only a sinner saved by grace still works. Uh, There's power in the blood still works. There is a fountain uh, filled with blood still works. If we just sing out the praises of God and stop worrying about somebody hearing us or being upset with us, uh, we would enter into a spirit of worship and praise of our God. People would hear and be impacted. So the confidence of the saints. A.W. Tozer said this, I can safely say on the authority of all that is revealed in the word of God that any man or woman on this earth who is bored and turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. Man, over the years I've had some people just get upset. Things get too loud. Things get out of, out of disarray or something. Something's out of the norm. Somebody, you do something 
that we haven't done before. Now, I tell you, everybody's all upset. Everybody's all shook up. Man, listen, you need to get over yourself. You need to realize this, that God wants to do something. He wants the praise of his people, and somebody ought to once in a while get excited in the Lord. Somebody ought to shout amen, or ought to shout hallelujah, and ought to shout glory to God. They ought to say something. There ought to be some type of movement just to let me know you're not rigor mortis sitting in out there. Amen? Paul and Silas were not intimidated by the chains. They were not manipulated by the guards. They were not embarrassed of being a Christian who had just gotten locked up because of the fact they did something good in somebody's life. And they sang out to the praises of God. They didn't sing out praises to man. They sang out praises to God. And I think many times we get this matter of worship confused. We think it's about men or individuals or movements or organizations, and it's not. It's about God and God alone. So worship is not hidden. You get excited about God, people know it. You start smiling all the time. People in your job are going to look at you and say, what's wrong with you? Why? Because they're used to everybody being frowning all the time. Uh, you, you start humming and you start singing some Christian songs. You start singing some little courses or whatever. You go, go on the job tomorrow and say, everything's all right in my father's house. Do a little directing with it. In my father's house. You're looking at me, I'm crazy. They're going to look at you more weirder than that, amen. You say, that's ridiculous. Why? They're in there singing about all the garbage and junk that deals with destroying people's lives. And they're not embarrassed about it. So why should I be embarrassed about singing about my heaven and heavenly home? Why should I be embarrassed about speaking forth the praises of my God? I've got more than what they've got. So they weren't hindered because of what was going on. Worship, worship is not hidden and prayer is not hindered if you have confidence as a child of God. Notice verse 26, God is not handcuffed. I like that. It says, and suddenly there was a great earthquake. Everything's all jammed up. Everything's all locked up. Everything's in lockdown. And nobody thinks anything can happen. Everybody thinks everything's under control. And the area is completely secure. And, uh, and, and uh, the keeper, it says in verse 26, and suddenly there was a great earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. God's not handcuffed. Let me tell you something. God can shake the place up. I'm praying God shake the place up. I'd like, <laughs> it'd be great to be preaching and all of a sudden you start feeling the building shake. Amen. You say, wait a minute. We're not in California. No, hallelujah for that. When you think what's going on in California. But wait a minute. It doesn't have to be an earthquake. It just needs God to shake it up. Amen. God to shake us up and wake us up and stir us up and build in us a faith and a confidence to know that our, our God is real and he has something that's powerful to do in our life. God still can bring revival in 2019. I like reminiscing over the past. 
But I'm going to tell you right now that reminiscing over the past too much will rob you of the joy of the present. I'm going to tell you one thing right now. God may have done some great things back in the 70s and 80s, and I believe he did. And I experienced a lot of what God did back in the 70s and 80s. But I believe in 2019, he did do something greater. I believe he can grab a hold of your heart if you'll listen to him. And you'll respond to him. I believe that God can give you an exciting life is of faith in trusting him. I believe that God can give you hope. God can give you direction. God can give you power. God can give you influence. I believe that God can do things in the church and in the world in which we live that we've not seen him do in the past. You say, well, you just don't understand the Boy, the laws of the land anymore. Oh, my goodness. I mean, we get ourselves such on a defeated guilt trip. God is not bound by the laws of the United States of America. I can tell you that. We need just once again believe what Paul and Silas believed, that if they prayed, and if they sang praises to God, that God would do something. And he would. I remember I first came here years ago. It's been a long time. I have to bring up my memory banks to remember that. But I remember we were, the church was concerned about, the pulpit committee was concerned about growing the church. How was the church going to grow? And I told them back then, I believe this with all my heart, that God gave me a Bible. And God gave me a gift to be able to preach the Word of God. And I told him, I said, this is what I'll do. I'll come preaching the word of God, and I'll go soul winning. If, you go, if you'll preach the word of God and go soul winning, God will do something miraculous. He'll do something miraculous in your life, and he'll do something miraculous in the church's life, and he'll do something miraculous in the community that is around us. I think we have allowed ourselves to be lulled to sleep to think that we can plan and plot and prepare and manipulate people to cause, uh, to cause to happen what we have on our hearts and desires to happen, and we have forgotten. Why don't we just preach the Word of God? You have a Bible in your hand? Open it up and tell somebody what's in that Bible. Lead them to Christ. Show them how to be saved. And I'm going to tell you one thing right now. God will do a work in your heart. He'll give you great power. He'll give you great strength. I mean, God can move when you don't think he can move. That person you think can't get saved, God can break their heart and they'll get saved. Confidence of the saints. I think we've lost our confidence. I really do. I don't know about you, but I'm believing God for great things this week. I'm believing, God, that souls are going to be saved this week. I'm believing that people's lives are going to be stirred up and changed this week. That's what I'm believing. You say, well, that's hard for me to believe. Then just get along with God and figure it out yourself. Amen. But I'm not going to get drugged down and defeated with negativism. I'm going to believe God that he can do things that are beyond my control. Paul and Silas couldn't change their circumstances. They couldn't change their condition. But God stepped in and God changed everything. So the confidence of the saints. Notice there's conviction on the sinner. Conviction on the sinner. Notice in verse 27. Uh, by his nature he is a sinner and he's, he's aware of it. And the keeper of the prison awakening out of his sleep. You know the world is blinded. The world is asleep. They're comfortable in their sin. 
And the only way that they're going to be waking up from out of their sleep is if somebody jars them and shakes them up. God can shake them awake. I believe God wants to shake the church awake. I believe that God wants to shake the sinner awake. And so uh, his, by his nature, we are willing to close our eyes, ignore the circumstances, refuse to be just in our dealings. This jailer took in no consideration when this man was thrown in prison what they had done or what they had accomplished. He was following his orders and just doing his orders day by day. By nature, man is a sinner. He just conducts himself based on who he is and his sinful nature. By his conduct. Notice of the prison doors. He's seeing the prison doors were open. And uh, the conviction that came on him was not just by nature getting woke up or being stunned by his condition, but the reality is that the doors of the prisons are open and based on the fact that he's acknowledging that the doors were open, now something can take place and happen in his life. We need to show people that God can change their life. People are living without hope. They think this is just it. This is just what we're going to do. Our whole country is in a mess. You know, people think, oh, we'll just go to socialism and everything will be okay. It's not going to be okay. You want to solve the conflicts and difficulties in our communities and in our nation? They need to come to faith in Christ. They come to Jesus Christ and all the divisions are gone. And so they're noticed by his conduct, the prisons were open. By his lack of hope, we see that he is a convicted sinner. It says he would have killed himself. And it's amazing. It's an alarming thing. I was doing some research on uh, suicides. And suicides in America are out of control. It's amazing. Young, old, well, it doesn't matter what race. Suicides in America. People are without hope. And listen, the conviction of the sinner is there's nowhere else to turn or no one to turn to. I remember when I got saved, I got saved because I realized that I had no hope. I was on my way to hell. I realized that if I died, the only thing that I had to look forward to was spending eternity in hell. They have no hope. Notice we can tell he's a convicted sinner by his reaction. In verse 28, it says, And Paul cried aloud with a loud voice, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. His, his reaction to the fact that Paul and Silas were still there. This is the prison guard falling down on his knees before the prisoner. Because without the prisoner there, without Paul and Silas praying and singing praises, there was no hope that could be offered to this prison, prison guard. And so his reaction. And then we see that he's convicted sinner because of his question. Verse 30, he says, and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Listen, you get people under conviction, you get them to a point where they realize that, wait a minute, the only hope they have is Jesus Christ. Uh, they'll be willing to ask, ask the right question. They'll be able, willing to respond. I read this quote, I, I don't remember who it was from, but anyway, someone had said this, if I lead someone, somebody to Christ on the street, which church should I send them to? Sending someone to the church today is like taking a newborn baby and putting it in a refrigerator. I want a place that vibrates with God 
that vibrates with eternity. You know, you get somebody saved, you get saved. I remember when I got saved, I mean, I was excited because of the fact we got into a church where things were happening. Things were, people were being saved. Music was uplifting. Uh, it was encouraging. I mean, it was a powerful experience, and it brought conviction on the sinners. Now, folks, I just know this. The road to Christ is faith. We must have the faith to believe. And we need to instill in others the faith that will save their soul and deliver them. And we need to bring people in the church where the church is exciting. It vibrates with God. It's stirred up with the presence of God. Listen, save your complaints for later. Put them in an envelope and mail them to somebody that you don't know. And don't sign the letter. Just get it out there and get it out of your life and get away from it. Don't, don't come in here and say, oh, you know, there's kids. I mean, this place is a mess. I, I thought the other day I came in and I saw the tape on, on the floor. The first thing I thought of, boy, I'm glad I'm not Mike Bojanovic. He's going to have to vacuum up and get all that glue off the floor. And then I, then I thought this, you wretched, wicked sinner, shut your mouth. That's what I'm telling you. That's what I thought immediately. I said, you're thinking those thoughts and somebody's going to come in here and think the exact same thing. We're bringing these kids in and look what we've done to our carpet. Who cares about the stinking carpet if somebody gets saved? But we do. We allow all these things to come in our life when we forget if we need to direct people into faith, that means they're going to be under conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. So there's a confidence of the saints, there's a conviction of the sinner, there's the compassion of the Savior. Notice in verse 31, and they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The compassion of the Savior is just simply this, it's about a person, not a plan. I'm glad that all they said was, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Didn't say, if you do one, two, three, and four, and then maybe we'll be able to figure it out. They didn't say, well, maybe you need to pray and plead with God, and after praying and pleading with God, maybe, just maybe, possibility, somewhere down, that God may just let you know before you die 80 years from now that you were one of his elect. He didn't say that at all. They said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. They said you just need to receive Christ as your Savior. It's a person and not a plan. Sometimes we allow ourselves to be so caught up in the process that we forget it's a person. It's Jesus Christ is what we're about. His name needs to be exalted. People need to hear about who Christ is. And so it's a person, not a plan. I ever heard uh, someone told me a while ago, they said they were visiting a lot of different churches. And they said and over the time that they were visiting all these churches and not one time did they hear the name of Jesus. Because churches nowadays are, want to talk about God in a generic sense. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Is Jesus Christ in Christ alone. 
There is only one who is the King of kings and Lord of lords, and that's Jesus Christ. The compassion of the Savior is that he didn't come and and present a plan to the church on how it's supposed to function and operate. He came to the people that were on the face of the earth and presented himself as the Savior of the world. Compassion of the Savior. Notice not only is the person not a plan, it's practical with potential. He says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. The potential of getting saved. I'll tell you what, if I could just get saved all over again, I would do it just because of the potential of what could take place. I mean to tell you what God could possibly do with your life as a young person. Man, you young people, I I envy you. Man, I'm telling you right now, I wish I was 15 years old again. I wish I was 20 years old again. Some of you millennials, I wish I was 25 again. Oh, man, I think of the energy I had when I was 40. Man, alive, I'd like to be 40 again. You know, I got saved in 1979. I'd like to get saved all over again because it was so exciting. (laughs) Amen. The potential. When God called me to preach, I thought, what in the world is he going to do? My wife and I was talking about this over time, different times we'd get talking about. Where would my life be if I didn't get saved? People I went to school with, we're 67, 68 years old now, and you know what they do? They go to work, and then they sit in the bar all weekend. Talk about a bunch of things that mean nothing. Gossip about everybody that they know. Complain about their job and their income. And and live a life that is a life that's going to come to an end with ruin. And you say, oh, man, that's the way I want to live. I'm going to tell you one thing right now. I ain't changing my life for it. I can tell you that. The potential, I'm thinking 67 years old, I'm thinking what potential God has to work in my life in the future. I don't know how long God's going to let me live. I'm praying for 120. That'll work out good. Amen. (laughs) Potential. What is it God can do? Paul and Silas, when they were thrown in prison, they didn't sit there and say, oh, Man, Paul, it's over now. Paul, I just don't know what we're going to do. We got these chains on our feet. I, what, what do you think's going to take place? You know, we had such great prospects. We thought there was great things that were going to happen. Paul, what are we going to do? And God shows up and shakes the place. And as they are set free, the jailer comes in and says unto them, What must I do to be saved? And Paul and Silas says you need to believe on Jesus Christ. That's the person, not the plan. And thou shalt be saved. And here it is. And thy house. Who's in your house that's not saved? What brother? What sister you have that's not saved yet? What child don't you have saved yet? What uncle or aunt do you have that's not saved yet? So they'll never get saved. The potential of the reality of Christ is that you can be saved and thy house. I remember Dr. Malone preaching a message years ago entitled Household Salvation. We think, well, salvation is just for me, not for anybody else. No, it's for everybody in your house. If salvation is good for you, it's good for your spouse. It's good for your children. It's good for your cousins. It's good for your nieces and nephews. 
He said, Thou shalt be saved in thy house. Practical and potential. Notice it's profound and pleasurable in verse 34. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them. See, he's already a good Baptist. Baptists got to eat when they get together. Amen. So when he brought them into his house, uh, in, uh, he said he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing God with all his house. It was profound and pleasurable. He didn't gripe and complain and be upset to the fact that he was saved and his life was changed. He and his house rejoiced. Notice, enemies are friends. Paul was considered the enemy. The jailer would have been considered the enemy. But I'm going to tell you one thing right now. Paul and the jailer are companions together. They're friends. And the harshest enemy that you have can become a friend through faith in Jesus Christ. Why? Because we're all adopted into the family of God. He makes us all the children of God. And so enemies are friends. Despair is hope. This jailer, all he knew to live, how he lived his life, was in a spirit of despair. And more so when he saw that the prison doors were open and the prisoners were able to depart because the change had fallen off. He only had one response, and that response was despair. Oftentimes people go to the doctor and you hear a bad report and you fall in despair. Christian always has hope. People fall by the wayside. We, all, we don't fall into the spirit of despair. We understand that Christ can deliver them and turn them around. Despair is turned to hope. Despondency is joy. He says they rejoice, believing God with all of his house. I mean, they didn't walk around as Eeyore. We have too many Eeyore Christians. That sky's going to fall. Oh, man, I don't know what we're going to do. Uh, if Trump doesn't get reelected, I just don't know what this country's going to be. Wait a minute. Who's on the throne of heaven? Jesus Christ is still on the throne of heaven. Circumstances are going to change. Rulers change. All kinds of situations change. But wait a minute. If God's still in control and God's still on the throne, then there is a great life that we can live. We can enjoy life to the fullness of God. You say, wait a minute, they're in prison. Do they look sad? They're in prison. Do they look defeated? They're in prison. There must be sad and fools of despair. No, they're rejoicing. The Christian responds completely different than what the world does. Because we know we have a compassionate Savior who suffered everything and died on the cross, was buried and rose again so that you might have victory. That's why we love that song, Victory in Jesus. That's where our victory lies. It's in Jesus Christ. So Paul and Silas just simply tell him, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. The road to Christ is faith. And so let's pray that many of our children and many of our parents of those children this week will get on the road to Christ through faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's why every day they'll have a Bible lesson. Every day they'll have a memory verse. Every day when we're talking to them, we're going to remind them about faith in Christ. 
Because the road to Christ is through faith. You might be here this morning, you might not be sure you're saved. I would know this, that God wants you to be saved today. And we, as we sing this song of invitation, if you'll come forward, if you'll allow us to take the opportunity and open up the Bible, we'll show you how to be saved today. How to have faith to be able to walk down the road with Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for the many, many ways that you demonstrate your love towards us. We're thankful for being saved. I'm thankful, Lord. I really am. I rejoice, Lord. I'm just so thankful. I'm so grateful that you saved me. And Lord, that you work in my life day by day. Lord, what a privilege it is to be able to say we're a Christian. We're a part of the family of God. Pray you to encourage each of these folks here this morning, believers in Christ, that their faith may increase. There's someone they can lead to Christ this week, so help them to see that and be able to be engaged in that. I pray if there is someone that's not saved, they might come receive Christ as their Savior. They can believe and be saved. So bless now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.